Porn Free Radio, episode 158. Let me read a recent email from earlier this month. Dear Matt, I don't know if you've done this before, but I'd like a podcast for the single man and his unique situation as opposed to a married guy. How should the single man handle masturbation? What special problems does the single man face? Now, that email is pretty typical of emails I get every month from single guys. Uh, I get questions about uh, how does a single guy put himself into the dating scene? Uh, What if uh, certain dating apps uh, cause triggers? Um, When do you talk to a potential uh, fiancé or a potential sexual partner or your future wife? When do you talk to them about your pornography struggle and your recovery? Uh, So we'll get into all that and more in today's show. Now, if you're a married guy listening, I'm going to spend a little time talking about some of the challenges you face. Uh, So it's something for everybody in this show. And this is the third and final episode in our Most Wanted series. So let's kick it off right now. Hit that theme. Porn Free Radio. Most Wanted. We interrupt the regular program schedule to bring you the following special report. Porn Free Radio. Most Wanted. Porn Free Radio. Most Wanted. Well, welcome to Porn Free Radio. This is the podcast for motivated guys who want to quit looking at porn. This is where you come to get hope and take action. I'm your host, Matt Dobschutz. And as always, I have a little sidecar, some Dunkin' Donuts coffee that I'm drinking this morning. And I'm excited to cover this topic uh, about challenges that single guys face and problems single guys face. And I also want to give you know some equal time to married guys. I know you guys probably think this is like a married guy podcast because I always talk about relationships and wives and things like that. Um, but I really want to, I really want to, uh, set it up just like that email said, I want to talk about the situation, um, you know, of a single guy opposed to that of a married guy. So I want to cover a little of both, uh, but I want to spend uh, some extra time on single guys just because I get so many questions about it. That's why it's in our most wanted series. Um, it's uh, mid-spring here in uh, the Chicago area where I live. And um, one thing that uh, a couple of guys have reached out uh, this month um, to, to say hello or to let me know they're listening to the podcast is uh, a lot of Muslim listeners uh, this month uh, to Porn Free Radio. And I think, I think it's, the reason is, is it coincides with uh, the Ramadan season, and Ramadan is a time for spiritual reflection uh, for uh, Muslims all around the world, and it's uh, one of the, the key points of Ramadan is it's fasting from water and food uh, during daylight hours. So there's a lot of fasting and spiritual reflection happening in the Muslim community right now, and uh, so... It makes sense that, you know, uh, as you're fasting and reflecting, that you're thinking about uh, potentially your relationship with porn and maybe how it gets in the way of your spiritual life. So uh, welcome uh, if you are uh, uh, listening and um, 
taking this time of Ramadan to reflect on your connection with porn. And I want to invite you to take an action. Uh, go to recoveredman.com slash this year, recoveredman.com slash this year, and take my little training course. It's one one hour or so, and there's a downloadable worksheet, and start building a plan. If you're in Ramadan right now, um, use this time uh, to organize and and create a plan for you to go porn-free. And when Ramadan ends in June, uh, you'll be set up uh, for just uh, you know, going deeper and, and getting more um, freedom in this area of pornography. Um, so just to, I, I don't know why, I, I just felt compelled to say this uh, just because I've just gotten a few emails this, uh, this last week uh, from Muslim listeners. So um, just wanted to throw that out there. Another thing I want to plug is we have uh, some Rev Group openings in June. And I want to just play a quick uh, testimonial from some of the Rev Group guys uh, from last year's group. I think the, the most powerful part of this whole thing is I got to know a group of guys who shared the same struggle, who absolutely love and care for each other and will pick up the phone and call each other and, and just wish each other well. And, you know, it's been really powerful for me to just have, be able to tell my story and not be not worry about judgment, but just you know, know that um, there's guys that relate and understand. I came into the group because I really hit rock bottom with a series of relapses and I found some of Matt's coaching material online and I immediately resonated with Matt's insights and his personality and his teaching style and I just thought, wow, what a great opportunity. Knowing that I'm with a bunch of other folks who are kind of struggling with the same thing and, and want to take that, that same journey uh, really put me at ease quickly. The feeling that you're not alone, sharing that with, with a community or tribe was really important. Knowing that I had a network of guys that I was accountable to really motivated me. I know like the big obstacle that was in my way was the, the cost, but then I, I sort of broke it down by month and even by meeting. When you do that, it's really not that bad. It's much less than like a conventional counselor. I, I have no regrets from, from the moment that I, I chose to sign up with it and just put it behind myself and say, we'll see um, you know, what awaits me for these next 10 weeks. And, and I'm so glad that I made that decision. Coming into this group with you know maybe a week of sobriety, of uh, being porn free. I'm six, over six months porn free now and, and uh, having a great time doing it. You feel so good after you do this. And I've, it's something I've looked forward to every, every Thursday night for the past 10 weeks. And, really disappointed when it's over uh, at the end of the night. So I think you will not regret it and it'll be totally worth your while. All right, guys. All right, see you guys. Inside. See you guys. <laughs> see ya. Now, if you need a highly committed, great group of guys to connect with, uh, to be on this journey to go porn free with, uh, join Rev Group Coaching. Go to recoveredman.com slash register. That's recoveredman.com slash register. Apply, and I'll let you know what openings we have. Now, I want to give a special kind of highlight uh, to any guys who are in Europe. We have a group that meets middays on Wednesday in the United States, and it's 
right around your evening time, uh, depending on where you're at in Europe. It might be five o'clock, it might be six o'clock uh, your time. Um, and we've had some European guys be involved with that group. And I want to give a special shout out to you guys that it actually works. Uh, it's actually uh, a way that you can connect and get support. And uh, don't feel like this is just an American thing. Uh, if you're in uh, Europe or you know maybe um, part of the Middle East or whatever, take a look at your schedule and see uh, if that might work for you Wednesday evening, early evening, or you know late evening, depending on where you're at. Uh, all right, so go to recoveredman.com slash register and sign up uh, for Rev Group Coaching. All right, let's get into this episode. So I started at the top of the show by reading a recent email from a listener that said, I would like a podcast for the single man and his unique situation as opposed to a married man. How should the single man handle masturbation? What special problems does the single man face? All right, so that question uh, is, is one that I get asked quite a bit and um, or something along those lines. And it happened a couple, uh, a couple of weeks ago that I was on a Rev Group coaching uh, call with a group of guys and the married guys weren't there that night. So it was a group of single guys. And so I thought I'd throw out this question and ask, hey, what challenges do you guys face? And single guys, when you get them started, especially if they're uh, working on recovery, working on going porn-free, they're, <laughs> they're not at a loss of words here because they're acutely aware of some things that are missing in their life or needs that they have that they're struggling to deal with. And so here was a couple of things the guys said. One was nurture or lack of nurture. Not There's not a lot of opportunities for nurture uh, when you're single. If you live with roommates or live alone, it's not like if you're in a romantic relationship where you're getting affirmed or potentially nurtured uh, by that other person, by that affection. Uh, two, this kind of goes along with it, touch or ongoing physical contact. If you're a touch guy, um, if you like hugs, that type of stuff, uh, you're not necessarily getting that as a single guy. Dating, of course, was a big challenge for guys. They mentioned uh, anything from just the confidence to ask someone out or just some of the rejection that goes through uh, in, in relationships or trying to go on dates. Uh, they talked about dating apps actually being a challenge. Uh, one guy I talked to recently said that he was on a dating app and he clicked on a profile and the second picture in the profile uh, was of the woman naked. Now she had strategically positioned herself. So it was PG-13. I don't know if it was an over the shoulder shot or what, but it was obvious she wasn't wearing clothes, but you know you couldn't see anything. But it still had that feel, and it was this arousing sort of uh, slightly erotic picture. And uh, the guy said he felt kind of slimed by it. You know, it's like I was just I'm hopeful to get into a relationship. I'm looking for a potential partner, and I'm starving some of these porn behaviors. And here I am being confronted with this in a dating app and. You know, depending on what dating app you're on, some of them are more like that than others, more triggering. So that's definitely a challenge. 
Here's another one, disappointment. You know, maybe you're in a relationship and you got a certain part way down the road and then it fell apart and you're having to start over and pick up the pieces. How do you deal with that? Uh, how about not having someone else to do this for? This is one of the things the guys said. Now, I, you know, I, I, I don't think that your, your primary motivation for going porn free should be your wife or your wife's happiness. Uh, but, uh, I do know that that influences guys and that helps them make better choices. So I could get that. If you're a single guy, you kind of feel like, why am I doing this? Like, who am I doing this for? It's sort of ambiguous sometimes. Uh, so yeah, they don't have that. Here's another one, establishing routine or a lack of external routine. Uh, when you're single, there's more freedom that you have. You can go to bed when you want. You're not as, uh, you're not as beholden to a family schedule or, uh, your partner's schedule. And so you have a lot of control over how you do things. And that's a good thing. It's powerful, but it also can be a challenge, uh, when you're struggling in recovery, you know, for example, if you can define how you use your time, if you're struggling with unaccountable time as a single guy, that can be really challenging. You don't have some of that built-in accountability uh, that a guy in a relationship would have. For example, you know, just me as a married guy, uh, I can't act out, uh, you know, at home very easily because my wife and kids are around a lot. So it, it becomes a lot harder for me. Whereas if I'm single, I have big blocks of time where no one's looking. All right. So a couple other ones. Here's a big one. The thought that porn is my best option to be sexual. Talking about all these challenges, all these things that I'm have, dealing with as a single guy, porn sometimes rises to the top as like the best option. And that that's, there's that mindset. Another one, and this kind of is more about the dating or the potential romantic relationship. Sometimes it can feel like it has an endless timeline. If there's no one in the, uh, on the radar, yeah, if you're not going on any dates, the idea that you're going to be in a healthy relationship one day seems really far in the future. And it doesn't, you know, you're kind of asking yourself, when is this going to happen? Um, so, and I mentioned this before, you know, it affects our dating and our courtship. Uh, you know, if we have lower confidence or we're not as present, uh, or if we're struggling, uh, after a relapse, uh, it can be hard. We can bring some of that negative feeling and some of that hangover uh, that we have, that guilt, that shame that can come into some of our relationships and affect our level of engagement. So single guys definitely have challenges. Now, as luck would have it, about a week later, I was in another rev group and uh, the single guys couldn't make it. So I had a group of married guys on the call. And I asked them the same question. Hey, what are some of the challenges you guys face? And uh, they were quick to share some. They said, uh, well, uh, the obvious one is when I act out, when I slip, it hurts my wife. It's, it's, it's been an ongoing issue in our relationship. She feels betrayed. It, there's a lot of collateral damage when I indulge in porn. So that was one. Uh, here's another one. It robs you of your presence. So guys talked about 
you know, either struggling with sort of obsessive thinking about, hey, when's the next time I can act out? And so they're not really present uh, with their family and their wife. Uh, or they're having intimacy with their wife and their mind is playing, uh, you know, pornographic images or having euphoric recall. And so they're, they're sort of in their head in a different place than they are with their body and, and with their connection with their wife. So um, there's that lack of presence. Uh, likewise, after a relapse, uh, guys are filled with guilt and shame. And so they're walking around kind of in a little bit of a fog. And it's hard to connect meaningfully when you feel shame, when you feel guilt. So there's a lack of presence. Uh, here's another one that guys mentioned. The, the challenge that kids are potentially exposed or unprotected uh, when you're engaging in porn. Uh, so, you know, we try to cover up our tracks and delete our history and our searches and close portals and this and that. But, you know, a lot of us growing up, we discovered porn because of our dad's stash or because of some of our dad's uh, irresponsibility with pornography. And uh, the same can happen today. Um, we can leave Netflix unprotected. We can have YouTube in the house. We can have other things on devices. And our kids can easily uh, get exposed to stuff or get, you know, get, get into stuff. And so um, some of the, the lack of um, recovery on our part can lead to a, an unprotected uh, place for our kids. Here's a couple others. Uh, guys talked about relationship work and recovery work being blurred. Just the challenge of you know, you have your wife and you're trying to help her heal and you're trying to, to repair the damage that you've done in the relationship, but then you're also trying to do recovery work. And sometimes it's not clear what the priority should be. Um, here is another one, recovery under the microscope. This was a big one, guys. Guys all had a lot of ahas at this point. Um, unfortunately, because of our uh, recovery efforts and some of the failure points that we've had in the past, you know, everything we do is kind of under the microscope. And um, uh, so even a small slip can have big consequences just in terms of uh, your wife's feeling safe or, or, or just even, um, you know, how you do things. And so it can be really hard to, to do recovery under that pressure. Uh, here's another one. Sef sex life can be non-existent or, or not consistent. So in any relationship, any sexual relationship, marriage relationship, uh, sex can wax and wane depending on circumstances. So, I mean, there can be physical circumstances. Uh, there can be sickness or there can be a, a challenging pregnancy that's blocking potential uh, sexual connection. There can also be emotional intimacy issues. Uh, if your wife doesn't feel safe or is still struggling with some of the feelings of betrayal related to pornography, um, she's not as motivated to connect sexually. Uh, or, you know, your use of pornography and your dependence on pornography has maybe made you a little sexually anorexic. You're not quite as pursuing her. You're not, you're having trouble getting an erection. Um, you know, your body hasn't totally adjusted to quitting porn. And so you're struggling 
with the basics. And so what happens is when we're struggling either emotionally, physically, uh, or whether we're still sort of dealing with the, um, the fatigue and the uh, residue of pornography addiction, uh, what happens is sex can become inconsistent. And when it's inconsistent, that can start to lead to other types of mindset things where we start thinking a lot like the single guys that, hey, this is the best option for us, right? Sex isn't happening. It's not on the table. The buffet's closed. <laughs> so I'm just going to go feed myself over here. So, and as I said before, recovery work can be hard to prioritize. Like when you, sometimes you feel like you have to choose. And my wife wants to connect or my wife wants me to do this thing. And I want to go to a meeting. It feels like you have to make a choice. Which one do I do? So what's the common theme here? Challenges. No matter where you're at in relationships, you're going to face challenges. And I know the question was, you know, how should the single man approach his unique situation as opposed to the married man? Or what special problems does the single man face? And this might feel like a little bit of a cop-out. But the single man and the married man both deal with challenges. And they both need to overcome in recovery the challenges. It doesn't matter what one guy is struggling with is slightly different than another. It's they're both, um, they're both challenged. So I have three things that I wanted to say to you no matter where you're at in a relationship. And here they are. Number one, in recovery, you always have challenges. Truth. Doesn't matter where you go in recovery, you're always going to have challenges. Doesn't matter who comes in and out of your life, you're always going to have challenges. Number two, your need for recovery is not contingent on a relationship status. Your need for recovery is not contingent on a relationship status. And three, your main job in recovery is to anticipate threats in your life right now and use tools. So first one, in recovery, you're always going to have challenges. We just... I've just kind of unpacked challenges guys are having both married and single. They are slightly different. There's some, there's actually cons some consistencies though. I don't know if you noticed this one, but both guys can easily struggle with the lie that this is my best option, that porn is my best option. Think about the single guy who's, feeling hopeless about his dating life and goes, hey, this is the best option for me. Is he much different than married guy whose wife is sick or unavailable or on a business trip? They're both that night wrestling with that question of, is porn the best option for me? Or uh, usually they're not wrestling with the option. They're agreeing with the mistaken belief. Porn is the best option for this challenge. So there's a lot of commonality. It, it doesn't feel that way sometimes. We want, 
things to be unique. I talked about this a little bit in last week's episode when I talked about fetishes, is we're pretty entrenched. We want to be unique because if we feel really unique in our situation and uh, we don't hear exactly what we want to hear, like, for example, you're tuning in this podcast, it might not be what you expected. So what do you do? You reserve the right to withdraw into your uniqueness. But I'm here to tell you, in recovery, you always have challenges. Let's get to that second one. Your need for recovery is not contingent on a relationship status. I think both married guys and single guys sometimes think about this one. Single guy thinks, hey, if I had that person, that that romantic woman that I loved, I'd have someone else to do this for, and it would be easier. Other side of the coin, married guy thinks, man, I love my wife. I don't want to hurt my wife. Shouldn't this be easier for me? Why do I keep going back to it? The truth is our need for recovery is not contingent on our relationship status. Many of us who are married, almost all of us, struggled with this issue before we got married. One thing I was thinking about, I was talking to my wife about this recently. Do you realize that I first saw porn when I was eight? And I was hooked by it then, spent my life growing up searching for it, stealing it, buying it, renting it, downloading it. You know, it wasn't until I was 31 that my wife caught me downloading pornography that I started doing something different that I got in recovery, full-time recovery. Think about that. Eight to 31. How many years is that? I'm I'm bad with math. What is that? Like 20-something years? All of that was before my wife. All that behavior, all that stuff was before my wife. When I got married, I still was struggling. My I needed to recover. Now, my wife catching me actually helped get the ball rolling. It helped me sort of hit rock bottom. It helped me ask for help. It exposed some of my hidden world. But the need was always there. And the need is still there even if my wife was out of the picture. Let's say my wife left me. I've, I've worked with some guys who are divorced. They wake up one day in an empty bed by themselves and they're struggling with porn. They still need to recover. They still are aware that, man, when I go to porn, I get the blinders on. I I go to porn and everything else mutes out and I can't be present in my life. I can't connect meaningful with others. If I ever hope to get another relationship, I can't bring this baggage in. They realize that their recovery wasn't based on their wife being in bed next to them. 
So guys both struggle with that. You know, single guys think that maybe when they're married, they'll have that extra incentive to stay porn free. Married guys think, man, I love my wife. Why aren't I staying porn free? The truth is your need to stay porn free is not contingent on your marriage. It's not contingent on the health of your marriage either. You know, some guys think, man, if my wife was just more loving or if we were just had sex more or if this part was better or if she had her stuff together more, this would be easier for me. No, it's not about her. Your need is not contingent on her or how the health of your relationship. That might be hard to hear, but that's true. Let's get to this last one. Your main job in recovery is to anticipate the threats in your life and use tools. Threats, uh, Milton Magnus defines, uh, he's a psychologist in Texas. He says, uh, or counselor in Texas, I'm not sure if that's psychologist is the right word. He says, threats are simply situations that need tools. In recovery, we're always going to deal with threats. We're going to deal with challenges. And what do we need to do? We need to use tools to overcome them. And that's your job. Whether you're single, whether you're dating, whether you're engaged, whether you're married, whether you're happily married, whether you're married on the rocks, whether you're separated, whether you're divorced, whether you're widowed, whether you're married again, you know, whether you're a guy who, um, for whatever reason, is, is remaining celibate. You have to anticipate the threats in your life and use the appropriate tools. So we talked about some of these challenges. I mean, how does a single guy get nurture? I'm not sure. <laughs> but... If that is the significant issue for you, you need to start asking what situations, what relationships, what environment can I feel affirmed? What about physical touch? You know, when I first went to recovery, um, when I first went to recovery, uh, uh, the group leader, Mario, said, hey, if you're struggling with physical touch, go get a, go get a massage. A healthy therapeutic massage, not a, you know, not a happy ending, you know, scammy massage, but, you know, go get a, go get a healthy massage, get that touch need met through that. Here's another one. I remember, um, uh, you know, I remember when I first, um, had kids, I remembered, you know, when you carry a baby around, you, you there's a lot of touch. You put your face to, to each other. You you hold them. It's a lot of healthy touch. So, you know, maybe you're, uh, you know, maybe you're an uncle, or maybe you have some kids in your life, and you know who you can just give a hug to or get a hug from, in a healthy way. Maybe you have some friends that you could develop hugs with. I, you know, I, I, uh, I struggled with hugs growing up. 
but I had some friends who every time we say goodbye, they hug me. And at first, it, it was a struggle for me, but now I, I actually enjoy it, and I remember it. it used to be kind of like I was almost like a robot, like, now it's time to hug, extend greeting. You know, it's like that's kind of how I was because I was kind of broken when it came to touch. But, but if you're a hug guy, if you're a touch guy, look for ways to embrace people. Look for ways to get hugs. Um, and, and this might sound kind of simple, but it's the truth. You need to look at the threats in your life, the situations that need tools. You need to prioritize. What are the big ones for you? Maybe it's touch. Maybe it's uh, establishing a routine. Maybe it's, um, you know, maybe it's doing some work talking about this idea that porn is the best option. Maybe you need to attack that mistaken belief. And that needs to be part of your plan. You know, married guys might have to, to dig into some stuff related to relationship stuff. Like, hey, um, um, my friend Hope Ray says this. She says, you know, in recovery, sometimes you get the idea that recovery is everything. But when you're in a marriage, there's actually three things at work. You know, I used to say two things, but she says three things. She said, there's three things going on. There's your recovery, her healing, and your relationship. So part of your threat, part of your challenge in your, in your, in your marriage is you need to prioritize those things and work on each area. So for example, there might be some things you do in your life uh, to have recovery activities. But there also might be some activities that you need to do to help her heal. Maybe you go to counseling with her to let her talk about her feelings. Maybe uh, you do affirmations with her every day. And, and uh, you know, I've, I've, Doug Weiss, um, counselor in Colorado, talks about this idea of having five affirmations where you sit down and you affirm your wife. You tell her five things that you like about her every day. And you do that as a way to rebuild trust, so to help her heal. And then, of course, the relationship. You know, a lot of life is just navigating, man, how do we deal with the kids? How do we deal with the grocery shopping? How do we, how do we go on dates and all that type of stuff? Um, so all those areas, um, you know, are potential challenges where we have to use tools, where we have to go, hey, this is important. How do I put this into my plan? How do I make sure that I make room for helping my wife heal? How do I make sure that I have my recovery activities? Recovery activities, right? So your main job in recovery is to anticipate threats in your life. It's a threat if your relationship is going off the track. It's a threat if your wife is not healing. That's just going to lead to more conflict and struggle, which is going to potentially land back in the, the recovery area where you're struggling with some of these feelings of rejection or feeling struggles about the conflict that you're having. Your main job in recovery is to anticipate threats in your life and use tools. That's what we do 
in our rev groups. That's what we do when I work with coaching clients is we try to anticipate, hey, what are some of the big threats to you? And if you're single, those threats might look a little different. Threat might be that you're struggling with your routine or you're struggling with disappointment right now or you're trying to figure out how am I a recovering guy going to date? How am I going to not potentially uh, get into behaviors that are similar to looking for porn? You know, I've had guys who had to eliminate swipe apps off their phone because it felt too close to that sort of um, to that sort of search process that we do when we look for porn. And they realized, hey, I need to look for offline ways to meet women or get introduced. I need to look for ways that are safe that don't involve social media. Right? We're anticipating threats and using tools. And so every relationship that you get into, every type of thing that you navigate comes from that recovery lens. You're not just a guy who's dating. You're a guy in recovery who's dating. So you might have to do some things differently. I think about, you know, there's other things that are sort of life-defining uh, let's say you had, um, I've, I've talked about this before. Let's say you had d- diabetes, uh, type one diabetes, right? I'm sure there's guys who listen to have type one diabetes. You know, every situation where you're eating or d- thinking about what food you're going to have, you have to think about it from the lens of, Hey, how's this going to affect my blood sugar? Do I need to take some insulin? Do I need to test my blood sugar right now? It's not that you can't eat. It's not that you can't enjoy food or um, it's not that you uh, are, that it's life defining in, in the sense that like you're potentially going to die every day, you know, with every choice, but it affects how you eat. It affects when you eat. It affects what you eat. It's, it's you know, and that's the same with us in recovery. When we're working on recovery, when we're using tools, we're approaching every situation from that framework. Doesn't so maybe you don't like the disease model. The you know the you know some guys don't like the idea of addiction as disease. I get it. Well, think about it like uh, let's say that you were a Jewish person who was keeping kosher. Okay, every time you go to a party, that affects what you eat might affect what parties you go to, right? You might have to bring some food to a party. If you're committed to going through the world, eating kosher, you're going to make some different decisions about where you eat, how you eat, why you eat, who you eat with, potentially. Um, It affects you. So it's the same with us in recovery. I, I try to say this all the time. You know, when when you're dating a woman and you're starting to think about sex, you know, maybe maybe some of you guys are thinking about having a sexual relationship. You know, some guys I know are, you know, being abstinent till marriage, that type of thing. Some guys aren't. Well, you know, if you're going to have a sexual relationship with a woman, 
you're going to be a recovering guy who's doing that. So you, so you owe it to yourself to start to have a conversation about what it looks like for you to be sexual, what some of this history is with pornography and addiction, what some of the recovery work you're working on. I think you owe it to her. If you're going to be intimate and sexual with her, I think you owe it to her to talk about your struggle because it could affect your sexual relationship. And I, I think the level of sexuality, the level of sexual connection that you have with a partner, uh, along the way, you should be being more vulnerable about what's been going on with you in recovery. I think that's a given. If you're in a fully sexual monogamous relationship with a woman or you're in a, you know, an ongoing sexual relationship, I think you need to be honest about how porn affects you because it could affect your relationship. So, you know, some of those questions I get a lot is, you know, when do you tell the, your partner about this or when do you tell your girlfriend or whatever? I, I, would, I would start to tell them as it's appropriate. Uh, as the level of sexual connection increases, you should start to reveal more about how this has affected you. You want to give her an opportunity to understand this part of you and to know what she's getting herself into, honestly. You know, some women might not be down for a recovery uh, relationship where you're in recovery and dealing with this different, you know, dealing potentially with sexuality and some of this stuff differently. All right, let me bring this down for a a landing. Here's the good news. No matter where you're at in life, you have challenges. Uh, I said that already. That's not the good news. The, The good news is this. There's benefits. No matter where you're at in recovery, you have some benefits. Even the single guys. I asked the single guys, come on, what are a few benefits? And they, they reluctantly revealed some. One, there's not as much pressure on a relationship. You can make a few more mistakes. You can experiment in your plan and not have it have as much impact. It doesn't hurt the other person. Um, so in that way, relapses sometimes are easier to get over. You know, this is, you know, being single, it's a great time to learn tools, to practice using tools. Here's another thing. It's a great time to practice honesty. A lot of guys in recovery need to work on honesty. So if you're in a recovery group and you can say, hey, guys, when I shared earlier, I didn't really tell the full story or I, I ignored something important. You can go back and the recovery group guys are going to be, hey, thanks for sharing. You do that with your wife enough times, she's going to feel betrayed. It's going to be hard. So, you know, in when you're a single guy and you're in a recovery group or accountability relationship, you can go back, circle back and say, hey, I wasn't completely honest here. Or I lied about something. And, you know, for the most part, your, your recovery guy is going to be like, okay, don't do that again. Let's get better with that. Be honest, you know, but it's going to be, it's not going to have the same impact as if you were lying to your partner. Um, There's also a benefit to optimizing myself now. As you are a single guy and you work on this, you're going to prepare yourself to be a better dating guy, a better engaged guy, a better married guy. You're going to have more tools um, so that there's an opportunity there. There's also an opportunity for more time for recovery. 
Um, you're not juggling uh, potentially a relationship or uh, the stress of family, managing a family uh, and doing recovery activities. So there's potential more time. So there's benefits uh, to being in the unique situation of being single. Um, and the same with married guys. You know, I think there's benefits also too. Um, you know, one benefit is you kind of have a, an accountability ally in the bed next to you. So that just, that potentially adds some safety to times when you might be more vulnerable late at night uh, or someone who's kind of aware of what's going on in your environment. That helps. Uh, sometimes your wife will partner and help you with tools or, um, you know, there is that sex life thing. When you start pursuing sexual intimacy and you know you start re-engaging, you start withdrawing from the porn behavior, potentially that has an opportunity to grow and get better. Um, so that's obviously a, a big one. And um, you know, I, there's a big benefit to being seen and being known. You know, the more I in, invited my wife into this world, this private world that I struggled with, the more I brought her into that, uh, the better I felt about myself and the better I felt loved in tough places. So that's a benefit too. And, you know, that's one of those benefits though that you can develop with friends. You know, if you're a single guy, you can find some relationships where you can be a little more vulnerable and expose some of those places. You know, part of being single, um, part of the challenge of being single, but also one of the growth opportunities is to build healthy friendships. And so if there's no one in your life right now who you can be real with about what's really going on, you need to work at developing those relationships. That's what you need to recover. You know, um, that would be a threat. If you don't have any deep relationships, that's a threat. So you need to find those relationships and get those in place. Otherwise, this isn't gonna work. Recovery's hard. And we you know one advantage married guys have over single guys is theoretically, if they have a partner who loves them, you know, they kind of have someone in their corner to start with. But many married guys will tell you that their wife is not a big ally. And, and it's actually, you know, the relationship is actually a struggle. So it's not a given. So as a single guy, you got to build those relationships. So I hope that helps. I hope that kind of discussion helps. That in recovery, you always have challenges. And your need for recovery is not contingent on a relationship status. If you got married, if you're a single guy right now, and if you got married tomorrow, recovery is still important for you. You can't just assume that just because your relationship status changes, all of the threats and triggers and challenges go away. They change sometimes, but they're still there. The last thing is, your main job in recovery is to anticipate threats in your life right now. Whatever you're dealing with right now, that's that, those are the threats, and you have to use tools. So don't, don't go through life going, I'm unique, this situation is unique. If I was only in this other part of my life, 
If I only had that relationship, if I only was at this, had that wife who responded the, this way, then I would be sober. Then it would be easy to be porn free. Don't do that. Look at your life as it is now, figure out what the threats are and start finding the tools. All right, guys, that's it for this episode. Uh, check out the whole series if you haven't listened to the Most Wanted series. Go back and listen to the last couple of episodes, episode 157 and 156. Uh, I mean, the, one of the reasons we're talking about relationships here, being single, being married. I mean, we talked about fetishes last week. We talked about masturbation uh, two weeks ago. Is because these are questions that come up a lot. So go back and listen to this Most Wanted series and join us next week for a new episode coming out on Wednesday, committed every Wednesday through the end of 2018, new episodes of Porn Free Radio. And I can't wait to join you then. All right, guys, until then, take hope, take action, and just know in recovery, you always have challenges. Take care. Porn Free Radio. Most Wanted. We interrupt the regular program schedule to bring you the following special report. Porn Free Radio. Most Wanted. Porn Free Radio. Most Wanted.